Welcome to Murder and Mimosas. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. Our show is Murder and Mimosas. It's a true crime podcast. This means that we do discuss crimes, including but not limited to disappearances, murder, and sexual assaults. All our episodes are told with the respect of the victims and the victims' families in mind. We strive to ensure that we provide factual information, but some information is more verifiable than others. With that, grab your mimosas and let's dive in. Welcome back. This is Shannon. And I'm Danica. Welcome to this bizarre episode. So today we're talking about Brenda Ann Spencer. To set the scene, it's a frosty, cold January Monday morning in San Diego in 1979. The parents are dropping their children off at Cleveland Elementary School. It's around 8.20 that morning, and the children are all lined up outside waiting for the gate to be open so they can head inside for the day. Shots start to be fired toward the elementary school, 36 shots in fact. Parents continue dropping children off thinking the popping sounds are maybe fireworks or, I don't know, backfiring cars. Panic and terror then starts to strike the children and staff, and chaos begins. The shooting continues for about 20 minutes. Once the children realize what is occurring, some of them start looking for shelter, such as one nine-year-old girl who was shot and went to class in such shock that she didn't even realize she had been shot. Some children are running toward the parking lot to find cover behind cars. Some children are behind bushes. The staff are trying to get the children in the building and laying on the ground so not to be shot by the bullets flying through the windows broken by the shooter. The fire alarm is sounding, adding more commotion and chaos to the already panicked school. The teachers try to gather the children to the auditorium, although trying to stay away from windows. And it doesn't have windows in the auditorium, so that's why they want to get all the children there so they have a sense of safety. I can't even imagine the sheer terror that's going through everyone's mind right now. That is true. And this is one of the first shootings ever, so... They don't have plans in place yet. So police race to the scene after receiving the report. A garbage truck is en route and they stop the garbage truck and they're going to use that as a shield. So the police drive this garbage truck and they drive it into the parking lot to use it as a shield so officers, EMT, and school staff can remove all those injured. Tragically, Principal Rags was shot and killed that day trying to get the gate open and get the children to safety. Custodian as well as World War II vet Michael Sukar also ran to assist Rags and he was also shot and killed that day. Officer Robert Robb was one of the first on the scene and ran to assist Principal Rag when he saw him bleeding on the sidewalk and he was also shot through the neck but miraculously his injuries were not fatal. Eight children were wounded, but their wounds proved not to be fatal as well. Police see the shots are coming from a house across the street about 150 feet away. Who could the sniper shooting up a school be? It turns out to be 16-year-old Brenda Spencer. Negotiators P.E. Olson and Chester Thurston are called to, to talk the shooter out of the house. They have 100 officers there, 30 patrol units, and 20 on the SWAT team to assist in the takedown of the team. Neighbors are evacuated and negotiators in the SWAT team take up residence in the house next door. The SWAT team are on neighbors' roofs with the sights 
of the front door as well as the back door in their sights in case Spencer tries to escape. They also have snipers at the school across the street with others with orders ready to shoot her if they get the opportunity. Thurston spent the morning on his bullhorn talking and calling Spencer, trying to get her to pick up the phone. There is no sound or movement from the house for hours. Police are fearful she may have escaped somehow and are getting tear gas ready for the house. At 12.06, Brenda finally answers the phone. Olsen asks Brenda what she wants, and she says, a Burger King Whopper. I guess shooting multiple people made her hungry. I mean, that's just callous. That is true. But they do make it your way, so what can you say? (laughs) Around 2 o'clock, after Olsen had talked to Spencer on and off throughout the day, he asked if she was ready to surrender. She said, I'll think about it. I mean. What else can she say? Oh, think about it. <laughs> he called back 20 minutes later and she informed him, no, she's not ready. No, well, like she thought about it. Yeah. She said she wanted to stay in the house a little longer and do some more shooting. She said she had learned an important fact from one of the one of her favorite TV shows, SWAT. And she said, I quote, if I shoot at the police, they'll shoot back, unquote. Six and a half hours later, Spencer comes out and lays her guns as well as pellet gun on the ground at surrenders. Although Spencer didn't have much to say to the negotiator, a reporter, Gus Stevens from the San Diego Evening Tribune, called the house for a comment that morning. Spencer was asked by the reporter what caused her to do such, what caused her to do this, and she said, I don't like Mondays. This livens up the day. She also said, I have to go now. I shot a pig. I think I want to Shoot more. I'm having too much fun to surrender. What? (laughs) Okay. So this callous comment struck a chord with many, pun intended, so much so that Boomtown Rats put out a song due to her comment, I don't like Mondays. We won't play you a clip here, but feel free to look it up. To our surprise, it was number one. It was a number one single in the UK. To quote the negotiator Thurston as to his thoughts on the song, quote, it's idiotic. I agree. Brenda Spencer did not have a trial. She pleads guilty and is charged as an adult to two counts of first degree murder and assault with a deadly weapon and receives 25 years to life. So who is Brenda Spencer anyway and what on earth caused her to do this? Just side note, we will have a picture of her on our Instagram as well as her victims. She is a skinny, 85-pound, freckle-faced, pale redhead that looks so young, which she is. She's only 16. This is what we can find out about her life. Spencer's parents divorced when she was nine. Spencer and her two older siblings went to live with their father as he gained custody of the three. That's kind of interesting since men rarely got custody then was her mother unfit the only thing it said it was in an interview with Doc Spencer which is her mother she was asked why and she answered that Brenda's father Wallace Spencer had coaxed the older two siblings to say that they wanted to live with him and the court didn't want to split the children up she also said that he was too mean to pay child support in 1976 Spencer was in a bicycle accident and hit her head into a telephone pole. A few years after the accident, she was diagnosed with frontal lobe epilepsy. Sorry, Doctors assumed the accident caused the brain injury, then let the 
then that led to the frontal lobe epilepsy. In early 1978, Spencer was having issues with truancy. Shocker, since she wasn't in school the day that she was shooting up the place. No joke. She was referred to a school for problem youth. Staff there informed her parents she was suicidal. This was ignored by both parents. Stellar parents there. The summer of 1978, Spencer was arrested for shooting the window out at the Cleveland Elementary School with a BB gun. She was put on probation. In December of 1978, her probation officer set up a psychiatric evaluation for her. Her parents were informed that she needed to be checked into a mental hospital for depression because she was suicidal. Her father dismissed the recommendation, (laughs) saying he could deal with the issues himself. When asked why her mother didn't see that her daughter got the help she needed, she said her father had custody of her and he thought he would deal with it. There are so many signs here that the parents just ignored. Like, she is almost screaming for help. And then it's like, meh. She's, like, begging for help. It's sad, actually. What they did find when they arrested Spencer was tons of alcohol bottles and 500 rounds of ammo. She said in the interview in 1993 that she had been on a bender and had been drinking alcohol for the whole week prior and using PCP, which was giving her hallucinations. However, her toxicology report shows no drugs or alcohol in her system. So, So, like, where did the gun come from that Spencer used to shoot the school up with? So, fun fact. Spencer said that that she had asked her dad for a radio for Christmas, and her father bought her a semi-automatic twenty-two caliber rifle with a scope. She was asked why she thought her father bought her this, and she said, I think he wanted me to kill myself. That was a quote from Brenda. So when her father was asked about it, he said, no, she didn't ask for it, but I thought she was old enough for it. Talk about a letdown on Christmas. Not only a letdown, but what kind of father buys his suicidal, (laughs) suicidal daughter a gun? Especially when she had been arrested the year prior for shooting out a school window with a BB gun. Yeah, I don't think she was old enough for it. I I disagree, sir. (laughs) I don't think you're suicidal. Daughter who's shooting the school windows with BB guns was prepared for the 22 caliber yeah, rifle. There's some concerns about his parenting. So there was also some talk about Spencer being abused by her father. In the 2001 parole hearing, she claimed that her father was physically abusive, hitting her in the face and ribs. He was emotionally abusive and sexually abusive. She said he had forced her to, he, she said he touched her inappropriately and sodomized her. Her father denies these allegations. They ask her if she is still in touch with her father. She says he comes to see her every Saturday, which is the only visitor that she has. Wait, so her mom doesn't even visit her? No. Wow. No, just her father. So when interviewed, her mother said she had suspicions of the abuse, but Brenda was evasive and wouldn't tell her anything. When asked why she didn't try to get custody of Brenda, she said she didn't have the money. I forgot to mention that Dot had a degree as an accountant and ran her own business. I realize that doesn't make you rich or anything or that you have all the money if you own your own business. But I feel like I'd be trying to do something if this was my child. Yeah, if I'm like, oh, she's suicidal and maybe being abused. Gotta do something. You would think that these aren't the best parents. So... So Dot and Brenda give two different accounts as to their relationship. 
Dot said Brenda would come over just about every week. Brenda states in her 2005 parole hearing that she never had much of a relationship before the shooting spree with her mother, that she neglected, that she was neglected by both her mother and father. She stated she has not seen or talked to her mom in five years. They also asked her about her mental health in the hearing, which she felt was now fine. They asked her about the fact that she had carved something on her body with a paper clip. She admitted her girlfriend, she admitted her girlfriend, an inmate in prison, was released, so she was no longer able to see her. She said she took a paper clip, heated it up, and carved unforgiven and done in her chest. Okay, I have done some crazy things, but self-mutilation is not one. And a paper clip does not really even seem sharp enough to do that. Like, that just sounds super painful. That sounds horrible. But just a side note here about Brenda's father real quick. When Brenda was in juvenile detention, he had, or she had a cellmate named Sheila. Sheila was 17 when she was released and sent to a halfway house. She ran away. Uh, and when the juvenile detention uh, facility tried to locate her, she was married to Wallace. Yes, that is, that is Brenda's father. And she was pregnant. I'm sorry, what? Yes. Wallace was not charged with statutory rape. Yes, Ma. I... I don't know. There's clear evidence. <laughs> that is because Sheila's mother um, signed for them to get married. So he, he didn't have to be charged with statutory rape. I know you're my he, mother, but right now I hate all the mothers in this no episode. Joke. These, these are some awesome parenting skills they've got going on. So they also, I could not find a picture of Sheila. I did try to find that in the research, but I could not find one. It is said that she looked so much like Brenda that the neighbors thought it was her and asked how she was out already. They had thought they had uh, Brenda and I'm sorry, Sheila and Wallace had a daughter together and she left the baby with him and left Wallace not long after the baby was born. When Wallace was asked about the relationship, he said he didn't want to comment on that. Probably because it's just plain weird and kind of makes me sick to my stomach, to be honest. If it's so similar that they're like, oh, look, that's Brenda. Uh, That's just creepy, dude. Well, if. Brenda's accounts were right, and he had been sexually assaulting her for all those years. I guess he needed a stand-in, and he found one willing to do that for him. Gross. But still also a minor, and her mom gave permission, so that's equally as disgusting. So, But I know, like, that was back in the day when, like, you couldn't be a, you know, unwed mother. Like, that was frowned upon. I've still heard plenty of Unwed mothers. It was frowned upon, but I mean, so is, I don't know, all of it's very disturbing. I don't say, I'm, I'm not saying I agree. <laughs> Let me just be clear. I'm saying that was a different time. It was a different time, but still disturbing. So 43 years later, what is the latest with Spencer and those involved? Well, Spencer is still in prison. She's had several parole hearings um, and she's been denied parole each time. The last parole hearing that she had and was denied at was in 2019. Many of those were affected by Spencer that day attend these hearings, including Rag's widow and his daughter. They were both also are always there to give their plea to keep her in prison. Both have now passed on. Robert Robb, the police officer shot in the neck, has not been able to work as a police officer since that day. Charles Miller was nine at the time. 
that he was shot in the chest. He says he remembers this every every day when he sees the scar on his chest. Wait, his, I'm surprised he was shot in the chest and he lived. No joke. That's, that's crazy. And they also talked about what a great shot um, Brenda Spencer was. So um, some said that she really, the shots that she fired at the kids aren't meant to be fatal. I don't know if that's true and she's never commented, but a lot of those that hunted or knew her said she was a really good shot and could have killed way more people than she did. I wonder how much she was actually aiming though versus just just shooting. I don't know because it, when you look at it, she the, the only two she killed were adults and I don't know if, if, it, if that was on purpose or not. But that's a good I point. I did want to add that in there. So Crystal Hardy was 10 at the time and was a student that was shot in the wrist during the shooting spree. She still says she has effects from that day. We actually have a short clip of her and her mother from that day and then her at age 83. I'm sorry, 36. (laughs) She's not that old. (laughs) All right, so take a listen to that real quick. Then I got shot, and then I went in the nurse's office, and I was bleeding a lot. I was just laying there, dead. The bullet that went through her wrist didn't harm anything. Didn't hit the bone, or we're just praising the Lord. You're lucky. So terrified. It was a very, very horrific event. My mom just thanked Jesus Christ because I was still alive, and I am still alive. Certainly, it affected my life. I mean, something that's that traumatic, of course, um, you know, would of course affect your life. This case was especially crazy for a few reasons. The first, this was not only the first school shooting for California, but for the country. Also, statistically, school shooters are male, not female. Y'all should know by now that I'm the numbers person. So I went looking at the statistics. When looking into the stats, the percentage varied a bit between sources, but only 2 to 4% of school or mass shootings are committed by female. So it's a really, really low percentage. So not only the fact that this is one of the first, but she's one of the few females. I thought that was just really crazy. She just kind of set a precedent there. Yeah. And that's where really, it's sad what she did, but I feel like she was really, really crying for help in so many ways and so many things she did. Absolutely. I feel like this was 100% preventable and her parents just didn't, didn't do what they needed to do. They were told multiple times she needs help. She needs help. She needs yeah. help. She's suicidal. And they yeah. just did nothing. And then, then handed her a gun. I know. They really should be charged with something. I don't know what, but something with this too, because this is really sad that I'm mean, the kid was screaming for help. And I don't know. But, and I think that part of her was wanting to be shot by the police that day, too, and be killed. So. Yeah, her comment about the if yeah. I shoot, the little shoot back. I think yeah. that she she wanted suicide by cop. Yeah. So maybe she was kind of scared to do it herself. I don't know, but she was really screaming for help. Not that that justifies anything she did. No, we're not condoning her behavior, but we're we understand that this could have been a prevented case. It definitely could have been. So if your child or somebody is telling you that your child needs help, please get them the help they need. Yeah. That you can handle it at home is not 
It's not real. Okay? And please do not give them a gun if they are already suicidal. If someone says your kid is suicidal and you give them a gun, you should go to jail if they hurt someone with said gun. I'm just saying. That's my opinion. But that's just crazy. Yes. That's like handing a pedophile a child and leaving the room. Like, yes. It's it's awful. It's a terrible plan. I'm not sure who why he thought this was a good idea. But obviously, she did not have the best parents with the best decision-making abilities. So there's that. Yeah, because then he went and knocked up a minor. So, That's you know. That's true. So, well, while Mondays may not be great, try mimosa to liven it up a bit. Yes. Avoid 22 calibers. <laughs> we will have a picture of Brenda, as well as her victims on our Instagram page, which is murder.mimosas. If you want to find us on Twitter, we post lots of funny memes there. And by we, I mean me. And you can find us there at murder.mimosas. If you would like to talk to both of us or you don't like me and you want to just talk to Shannon, you could do that on our Facebook group. It's Murder and Mimosas Podcast. If you have a case that you want us to do, send us an email at murder.mimosas at gmail.com. Until next week, have a mimosa for us. Bye. Bye.